into this last part of our series, Who Do You Stand For? I said it from the very beginning, and and I'll say it every single week. I'll say it again. I think that who you stand for says a lot more about you than what you stand for. We stand for a lot of things. We stand for ideals, but, but how are ideals created and ideas created? They're created by people. And God calls us to care for different kinds of people. There's different groups of people specifically that God calls us to stand up for uh, and to help in their time of need, whatever it might be. And we've talked about many of those groups. Week one, we talked about standing for the oppressed, standing for people that are marginalized, that are in need of help. We talked about uh, modern day slavery and human trafficking. And one of our miracle offering partners is A21, who helps to uh, prevent human trafficking and also to help people that have been a part of human trafficking uh, to readjust to normal life again so they don't get actually pulled back into that. Then the next week we talked about, uh, it was Stand Sunday. Come on, you remember that? It was an amazing time, Standing for Orphans. It's also called Orphan Sunday. And that's another group that God calls us to stand for as Christians. James 1.27, pure religion is this. True religion is this. Uh, Basically, it says to stand up for orphans and widows, to take care of them in their time of need. Keep yourself from being polluted from the world. So we're standing for orphans. And then we talked about a few other things. We're standing for the poor. Uh, We're standing for the world. We had Mission Sunday. We heard from a few great missions partners. And and I think it was amazing. We had our miracle offering Sunday last week. And I'll tell you how much we raised in just a little bit. I think we did an amazing job. We got some more to go. I promise you it's going to be great. But we had our miracle offering Sunday. We had an amazing video. Introduced all of our miracle offering partners. So many great missionaries. So many great local organizations that we're giving to, that we get to give to this next year. And they are all great. We're standing for the oppressed, standing for the homeless, standing for the poor, standing for the orphan, for the marginalized, for the missionaries, standing for the world. And that is wonderful. I think it's great. It's a really good thing for us to do as Christians. None of it matters if we do not boldly stand for Jesus. None of it. Not one bit of it matters at the end of your life if you don't stand for Jesus. You can stand for all these people groups. You can do all this stuff. You could be morally an amazing person and do a lot of great things and and help a lot of people in your life. But if you do not stand for Jesus, one day you will stand before Jesus. And I guarantee you, uh, we'll have a lot to answer for. Amen, right? And so we are needing to stand for Jesus. And the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is simply stand for Jesus. Jesus. I wanted to cap it off after talking about all these great organizations and missions and people groups and all this stuff. Man, the most important thing you could do in your life is stand up for Jesus. The evangelist Billy Sunday used to tell of a professing, professing Christian who got a job in a lumber camp that had the reputation of being very ungodly. A friend, hearing that the man had been hired, said to him, if those lumberjacks ever find out that you're a Christian, you're going to be in for a hard time. The man responded, I know, but I really need the job. The next morning, he left for camp. A year later, he came home for a visit. While in town, he met his friend who asked, how did it go? Did they give you a hard time because you're a Christian? Oh, no, not at all, the man replied. They didn't give me a bit of trouble. They never even found out. Come on. <laughs> Think about it for a second. It doesn't sound funny at first, but when you really think about it, it's honestly comical because that is so how we live our lives sometimes. 
You could go your entire life and the people that you work with, the people that are closest to you might never find out that you're a Christian. And, and he was almost proud of it that they never found out that he was a Christian in the year that he was there. And so I'm going to give you today three principles for standing for Jesus. The first principle that we can learn standing for Jesus teaches me to stand for others. Standing for Jesus teaches me to stand for others. The Bible says, and Jesus is talking here, he says, if you love me, obey my commands. Right? If you love me, and if you really say that you love me, and you really believe in me, and, and you believe I'm a son of God, you believe what I'm here for, and, and then you will obey my commands. The things that I have told you to do, you will do these things. And so what did Jesus say? Ultimately, we know that he said to what? Love God and love others. It's real simple. He said all the law can be summed up into this right here. You just got to love God and love others. He gave us a few things, though. He said, listen, you got to stand for justice. Justice is an important thing in the Bible, and that's why we've been talking about all these miracle offering partners. He tells us that we are to give generously, right, to give to the poor, to give to those that are in need. These are just some of the commands that Jesus gives us. And this month, we've been putting our faith into action, right? We've been taking a stand for these different groups. Like, hey, who do we really stand for? Who are we going to care about? And, and I think that I would much rather take who I care about from the Bible than from what the world tells me to care about. I'm going to care about the people that God tells me to care about. And we've been putting our faith into action and uh, giving to this year's miracle offering. And I'm definitely uh, honored to be a part of a generous church. Did you know that you're a very generous church? Come on, give yourselves a hand clap real quick. Because you guys raised $10,000 so far for the miracle offering. Come on, that's amazing. Uh, we've got $10,000 already in our miracle offering just in one day, all right? And so I believe through the rest of this month as we're giving to the miracle offering for these amazing partners, uh, we're going to even see a lot more come in before the end of the year. So remember, you can give all the way up until the 31st for these amazing groups. But listen, when you stand for Jesus, you cannot help but become more like him. When you get into the presence of God on a regular basis and when you read scripture and when you see things like, hey, uh, we need to give to the poor and I need to be generous with my life and with my time, with my finances, you cannot help but become more of a generous person. When you are uh, looking out in your life and you're seeing somebody that is in need, you're going to naturally want to help this person when you've been in the presence of God because you're seeing them through the eyes and through the lens that Jesus sees them. Amen? John 13, 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. So when someone's in need, what do we do? We step up. When someone's hurting, we comfort them. When someone's sick, we pray for them. We love one another. Just as I have loved you, you need to go now love others in the same way. Do the same things that you saw me do for all these other people. How I loved them, how I cared for them, how I talked to them. This is the exact framework that I'm giving to you. He literally gives them the framework, right? He shows them by his life and how he lives, how they are to love other people. And when you stand for Jesus... And when you're bold about your faith in Jesus, you will become more like him. His heart will start to become your heart. 
You'll start to see people the way that he sees people. You'll start to think the way that he thinks. You'll start to notice that those thoughts that you used to have, those kind of intrusive thoughts where you're like, I don't want to be thinking this, right? You'll start to take captive every thought and make it submit to God, right? You're going to now start to have Holy Spirit-driven thoughts and, and the way that you act and the way that you speak is now going to be different. Because when you stand for Jesus and when you live for Jesus, you will become more like him. Somebody say, stand for Jesus. Jesus. Come on, we're going to stand for Jesus. It's through this relationship with God that we're able to stand for others. He gives you the framework. Like I said, you could take the world's framework for how to stand for others, but I would much rather look at the life of Jesus, see how did he stand for other people, and that's how I'm going to stand for others, right? I think that's a way better way to go. But, but the problem is when you stand for Jesus, uh, sometimes uh, there might be some negatives. I'm just going to be honest. There might be some negatives when you start standing for Jesus. When you get bold about your faith, when you start sharing your faith with people, uh, there's going to be some things that will happen that are probably not in your best interests. All right? And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Number two, standing for Jesus might ruin your reputation. It might ruin your reputation. Just like this story we have with this lumberjack. He says, I need the job. I got to get a job. I got to go make some money. He goes there, and, and he doesn't say a word about him being a Christian because he knows they're going to give him a real hard time about it. Come on, how many of y'all ever been in a situation? You don't got to raise your hand and out yourself, right? You've been in a job for one, two, three, four, five, ten years, and the people around you probably don't even know that you're a Christian. How sad is that, right? Like, think about that for a second. This is supposed to be everything to us. We're supposed to stand for Jesus, be bold in our faith, and yet sometimes we go our entire lives, and people that are, we see every single day have no idea about our faith in Jesus. There might be some negatives. It might ruin your reputation. What if this lumberjack had said, you know, I am a Christian. Maybe they give him a hard time. Maybe they, you know, uh, haze him a little bit more than they would have the other new guys, right? You know, like they might have given him a little harder time. That whole year could have been awful for him. But do people know that you are a Christian? Romans 1.16, it's a very powerful verse, says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For I am not ashamed ashamed of the gospel. How many of us walk around our entire lives, maybe not consciously saying that I'm ashamed of the gospel, but maybe subconsciously not saying something about Jesus because we don't want people to think of us differently. We walk around acting like we're ashamed of the gospel by simply not saying anything about it, right? I think this is a very relatable thing that we might uh, feel and we might have done in, at one point in your life. I know that there's been situations where uh, I meet somebody new and it would be very easy for me to say that, uh, you know, somebody asks, uh, we start talking for a little bit, maybe just about something random. It could be about football or, you know, current events or the weather. I don't care what we're talking about, but you meet somebody new. And, and as a pastor, uh, it's a little interesting sometimes because I like to not tell people that I'm a pastor right off the bat. I, I, I'm not saying I'm ashamed of the gospel. Just give me a second. I'll get to it, right? So I like to not tell people I'm a pastor just for a while, just to see, like, who they really are, right, you know? Because when you meet somebody, uh, generally, like, you get to know them a little bit, you start talking to them, uh, and then they'll kind of open up a little bit, and you get a conversation going. Uh, maybe, you know, this person, a few cuss words slip or something like that. You know, they're just, like, messing around, joking around, whatever. And I'm like, hey, so what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, 
And then you just see their eyes stop and they're thinking about all the things they just said over the last 10 minutes. It's very embarrassing for them now. And they're like, oh, I should. And then they'll say usually a lot of times like, oh, uh, I, I, oh, I said the F word. And I'm like, hey, listen, man, it's cool. All right. Like, listen, I, you don't got to try to change who you are or whatever just because I'm around. Okay. Like I get we're all in this journey. It's all, it's okay, whatever. And it's just funny though to see how people act when uh, they find out that I'm a pastor. But listen, I could go my whole life and just tell them I'm a public speaker or, uh, you know, I, I work in nonprofit or whatever. And I'd never have to explain it further than that. But uh, I love telling people I'm a pastor because I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to be a pastor. I know there's a lot of hate on pastoral leadership nowadays. There's a lot of hate uh, on Christians nowadays and persecution and different things like that. And it might seem small in comparison to other countries, but hey, listen, it's still there, right? People still give you a hard time when they find out you go to church every Sunday. Like, why do you do that, right? Uh, But listen, I'm not ashamed. I love going to church. I love being a pastor and I have no problem telling people about it. Um, But it might ruin your reputation. You might lose some friends over this. How many of you, maybe this might be your story, when you became a Christian, you immediately just lost all kinds of friends. And maybe it was on purpose. Maybe you realized you had to cut some of these people out because they were bringing you down. Maybe they were toxic and they were harming your relationship with God. But many times you wanted to continue to be a friend with them, but they were like, man, we just don't see eye to eye anymore on some of these things. And maybe you lose some friends because uh, they're just completely against everything that you stand for. And I think the reason that we don't publicly talk about our faith is because we're simply just nervous about what other people will think. Let's just be honest. We're nervous. I'm not going to share my faith because maybe it's weird or it's awkward or I don't know what it will be like. We think people's perception of us is going to change. And to that, I would say, good. It should, right? People's perception of you should change because the Bible says that you are now a new creation. Somebody say new creation, You are not the same person that you were before. God is changing you. He's molding you. He is shaping you into a literal new person. And so when people's perception of you changes, that's a good thing. If somebody doesn't want to be your friend anymore because you're getting a closer relationship to Jesus, man, that's probably not somebody you want in your life anyway. And yet we will hide our, ourselves and hide our relationship with God. And I'm not going to tell anybody I go to radical church because, ugh, like it's got, it's radical. That's a weird name. Like, what are they going to think about that? You know, like we do all kinds of things to not tell people about our faith in Jesus. And I would encourage you, that's a good thing if people's perception of you changes. Maybe it's negative uh, for them, but maybe there's other people that's like, hey, man, you're doing a great job. And those people will encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Because before I stand for any of these other organizations, before I stand for any of these people groups, before I stand for the homeless, for the poor, uh, for the oppressed, for any of these people, number one is I stand for Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen in the house of God this morning? Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Am I trying to please man? Because if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's Paul writing. If I was trying to please people, I would certainly not be following Jesus because it is the unpopular thing to do. It's never going to be the cool, popular, hip thing to do to follow Jesus, Right? Maybe in our circle here, that's a cool thing. And in the church uh, community and circles, that's a cool thing to do. But by the world standards, it is certainly not the cool thing to do. But I'm not trying to make you like me. 
And I think that's where we get caught a lot of times. How many people pleasers we got in the room today? I'm one of them. I got my hand raised. People pleasers, raise your hand. I would assume your hand would go up pretty quick because you want to please the pastor up here. I'm asking the question. Okay, we got some in the back. All right, on the worship team. What's up? Okay. I'm one of them. All right. It's like I love to please people. I hate when I let people down. It just I get so frustrated with myself, and uh, and I like to make everybody happy. I'm a mediator, so if I see both sides of everything, I'm like, guys, why can't we all just be friends? Let's just hang out and have a good time. But at the end of the day, I cannot make everybody like me, and you cannot make everybody like you. I'm trying to serve God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if I gain favor with man along the way, then so be it. But if everybody hates me because of it, then so be it. I am serving Jesus first. Amen? When I die, I will not stand before you. You will not stand before me. We will all stand before who? Jesus We will all stand before him to give an account before our lives. We will stand before God. The Bible says that we're going to give an account for everything that we did in our lives. That is terrifying. I don't know about you, but I've done some crazy stuff in my life that I don't really want to talk about, right? You know what I mean? Like, you probably have too. You've probably done some things in your life that you're like, oh, Lord, I don't want anyone to know about that. But you know what? God says that he already knows. He searches the heart of man. He knows everything, right? We try to hide these things from God, right? Like Adam and Eve are trying to hide in the Garden of Eden. And he's like, where are you? And they were like, oh, we were trying to hide from you. What did you where did you think you were going to go? It's just the two of you and God, okay? Like, come on. But we try to hide these things from God. But I'm going to stand before him one day, and so I want to make sure I'm not trying to please man, but I am trying to please God first. I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. Y'all, I'll post about it on my social media. We try to hide sometimes our faith on social media. We don't post about it. Maybe we might, like, repost a story from Radical Church every once in a while, but, but that's about as much as we're going to do. I'm not going to post a scripture. I'm not going to do anything, like, crazy like that. I don't want people to think I'm, like, some weirdo or anything. I'll go to church. Listen, I'll pray over my meals. You come eat with me and my family, we'll pray over the food. You better believe it. Come on now. I'll read my Bible at the coffee shop. I bring it and I will just sit it on the, on the, uh, the table there at the coffee shop. I'm, not, I'm working on something else. I'm not even planning on reading it, but I'll sit it there anyway just so somebody can come by and ask me about it. I'll serve at my church. I'll give to my church and I will tell people about my Savior. His name is Jesus and he loved this world so much that he died for it and he died for you and he died for me. And I am not ashamed to say that. Come on, if you're not ashamed to be a Christian and to be a follower of Jesus in the house of God, can you just give a shout of praise for the next five seconds? We worship you, Jesus. We love you, God. Come on. Jesus said to his disciples, you will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's Matthew 10, 22. You will be hated Not just disliked, not just, oh, like they're probably not going to get along with you anymore. You will be hated. Pure hatred will come your way because of your faith in me. It's all my fault. Jesus, he says, hey, put the blame on me. I get it. The reason they hate you is because of me. You can just put it on mom, put it on dad. You know, I did it all the time in high school. Oh, I can't go. Sorry, guys. My mom said I couldn't. Oh, man. My mom would always say, just blame it on me, son. That's what Jesus is doing right there. They're going to hate you, and it's because of me. It's all good. But who stands firm to the end, that person is going to be saved. And Jesus was right. The apostles stood for him boldly, and they all lost their lives because of it. Every single one of them stood for Jesus, and they all died for Jesus. 
So I think the question that we might naturally ask then next is, was it worth it? Right? That might be the question that you would think. All these apostles that spent their entire lives from the time they were teenagers, that's when they started this journey with Jesus. They were teenagers, late teens, early 20s. Some of you that are here in this room today on the front row, y'all are teenagers. Imagine if Jesus called you and said, come and follow me, and now everything about your life is about Jesus for the rest of your life, and then you end up dying because of it. If you would look back, would you say, is it worth it? Dying for Jesus. Was he worth it? My last point today is standing for Jesus is always worth it. Always. Stephen is known in the Bible as the first Christian martyr. The first Christian to be killed for his faith in Jesus. Before they were even calling them Christians, he was already killed for his faith. He took a massive stand for Jesus and paid the ultimate price. The Bible says that Stephen was a man that was full of grace and power. Uh, He was chosen to help uh, the apostles, the original apostles, and, and it says he performed many miracles. He did many signs. He was an incredible man of God, and it said he actually would argue with the Jews in the area, and they could not find anything against him. Sound familiar, right? Sounds very familiar to Jesus. They couldn't find anything against him because he spoke with such grace and wisdom. So the Jews were getting mad, right? The religious leaders, sound familiar? They put some false accusations against him. And now he's standing before the Sanhedrin, the same group of religious leaders that Jesus had to come before as well. And I want to read to you what happens here in Acts chapter 7. You find the whole life of Stephen in Acts 6 and 7. But I'll read to you this excerpt today. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they gnashed their teeth at him. This is after he gives this scathing speech about the religious leaders and the Jews of the day. They say, listen, you killed the Messiah, the one that we were waiting for. Yeah, Jesus, you killed him, right? And now they're really upset about this. They're real mad because this message of Jesus is spreading and they don't want it to spread. They want to remain in control. They want to remain in power. So now they're getting real mad at guys like Stephen. He goes right before basically like the Supreme Court of the day for religion, okay? But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would eventually become Paul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He passed away. I want to take your attention to one phrase in this passage that maybe you've never thought about before. There is only one time recorded in the Bible where Jesus ever stands for somebody. And it's right here. Jesus stood for Stephen. It says it right here. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know what the Bible says is that Jesus is what? He is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus, seeing Stephen dying for his faith, stands up and welcomes Stephen into the kingdom of God. Jesus 
will stand for you if you stand for him. Let me say it this way. Stand for Jesus and he will stand for you. And your relationships, stand for Jesus. In front of your kids, stand for Jesus. At your job, stand for Jesus. When your life is going great, stand for Jesus. When you're up against the wall, stand for Jesus. If you will stand for Jesus, I promise you, he will be faithful and he will stand for you. Come on, somebody give God praise in the house of God this morning. Every persecution that you face, every problem that you face, when you stand boldly for Jesus, you can be assured that he will stand up for you. Whether it's here on this side of heaven or on the other, Jesus will stand for you. And at the end of my life, and as we close this series out, talking about who do you stand for, I think what better way to talk about uh, the ultimate, the best person to stand for, the, the number one that we should be standing for in our lives, which is Jesus. I want to be recognized by him when I'm at the end of my life. How many of you, that would be like the coolest thing in the world when you uh, pass away and you're getting up to heaven and Jesus actually gets up out of his seat to welcome you in. Isn't that an incredible visual? Not everybody is Jesus going to be standing up for, right? Now, just be honest, not everybody. But there's some people that stand boldly for Jesus that I believe he is personally going to welcome right on into the gates of heaven. And I want to be one of those people that Jesus says, you know what? And you served me faithfully. You stood for me when you were on earth. You lived for me. You gave your life for others. You gave your life for these different groups that I told you to give your life for. You were generous with your time, with your finances. Man, you loved your family well. You loved your kids well. You told people about me. And now welcome home. That's what I want to hear when I get to heaven. Come on, would you stand with me today? If we can have Sadie or Tim come on up, we can close out service today. Listen, I just want to take a moment to pray with you. And we're going to take communion. We should have communion cups. We have, everybody have a cup. Is that correct? Okay. If anybody needs one, uh, please just raise your hand and we'll get a few people here to give you some communion cups. What better way to stand for Jesus than to remember him, right? I feel like this is the best thing that we could do as a church family. Normally, we would do it at the first of the month, uh, the first Sunday of the month. We had our miracle offering last week, so we didn't have time to do that. But I want to do this. As we're going through this Christmas season, we're about to actually celebrate his birth. I figure, hey, we need to cap this series off the right way. We stand for Jesus, and we're going to remember what he did for us. Jesus and his disciples had the Last Supper and he says this to them as they're eating. Right before he goes to the cross, he says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Go ahead and undo the top here and take out the little wafer there. And this is the representation of the body of Christ. This is the body that he gave for us, that he put on the cross for you and for me. 
And when I think about standing for Jesus and, and why it's so important for me to live my life for him boldly, it's because he lived his life boldly for me. He didn't hold anything back. He gave everything, right? Uh, he put his body up on the cross with nails in his hands, nails in his feet, lashes on his back, crown of thorns, spit on, ridiculed, all of it. He did not hold anything back. He wanted me to have a relationship with the Father. He wanted me to be able to get to heaven one day. He wanted to make a way for you and for me. And so if Jesus can do that for me, then I can certainly stand for him while I'm here on this earth. So what I want you to do is take a moment, think about Jesus and, and, and the body of Christ up on the cross and giving his life for you and for me. Take a moment to pray with your spouse or with a friend or family that's there with you. And before you take this, I want to encourage you to ask God to forgive you of the sins that you've committed. The Bible is very serious about it. It says, hey, you need to ask God for forgiveness before you take communion. This is a very holy thing that we do. And I want to recognize it as such. So ask God and say, Lord, if I've sinned in any way, or you know there might be some things the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, and you know, like, hey, God, I've failed in this area. I've messed up in this area. I encourage you. Just for a moment, for about 30, you know, 40 seconds, just ask God for forgiveness and get right with God. The best thing about it is that it doesn't have to be some special prayer. It doesn't have to be something perfect. It doesn't have to be well-polished or well-spoken. It just has to be honest. And if you just be honest before God, the Bible says that he will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And he'll start turning you into that new creation. Maybe you've known him before and you've fallen off the wagon. Listen, today is your day to get right back on. So take about 30 seconds, pray together, pray by yourself, and then take the bread whenever you're ready. Lord. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. This represents the blood of Jesus. This juice that we have here, represents the blood that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. Why does he say the forgiveness of sins? Well, in the Old Testament, we know that there was all these different kinds of sacrifices that they had to do. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, right? So if we sin, we have sin within us and, and the wages of sin is death. The price that we have to pay for our sin is death. Death. 
Adam and Eve realized that when they uh, first sinned and now God is saying, hey, listen, now you're going to have to work hard. Childbirth is going to be difficult. All the women said, come on, Eve, right? The men are going to have to work out in the fields now and it's going to be tough work. It's going to be hard. And eventually you're going to die. It wasn't supposed to be like that, but the wages of sin is death and they messed up and they sinned. And now every single one of us since then have sinned. And the Bible says we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So there's nobody in this room that's perfect. No one's immune from the sin that we have inherently within us in this world. But God gave them away in the Old Testament, which they paid for with the blood of animals. And they would sacrifice at the temple and they would sacrifice in different ways and different kinds of animals. They had grain offerings and, and different kinds of things that they would do that God set up for them as a way to, uh, to make right the sins that they had committed. And Jesus finally comes on the scene and he says, listen, you know what? I don't want it just to be for the Jews, but I want this salvation and forgiveness of sins. It needs to be across the board for everybody. No more animal sacrifice. No more of these 613 plus laws that we have. Listen, love God, love others. I'll take the price for you. I'll put my body and my blood on the cross as a sacrifice for every single person. And that's what he did. And so I want you to take about... 30, 40 more seconds and just pray once again and thank him for his blood that is covering every single one of our sins today, right here, right now. And go ahead and take the cup whenever you're ready. I hope that at the end of your life, when you get to that, that time, whenever that is, right? We know life is short. The Bible says it's here today and gone tomorrow. It seems so fast sometimes. Even my kids already, I feel like they're just growing up so quick and wish the time would just slow down and yet it just keeps on going, right? And some of you know, it can feel very fast and you never know. You never know what's coming around the corner. And, and listen, I'm telling you, I hope that when you get to the end of your life, whenever that is for all of us, I want to be able to stand before God and say, I stood for you. And I want him to know who I am. The Bible also says that there's gonna come a time when Jesus is gonna say, all, the, all these people are gonna come to him and say, didn't we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal people? Did we not do all this other stuff? And he's gonna say, get away from me. I don't even know you. Who are you? Did you really do all this in my name? Because actually you were just really living for yourself and for the approval of man, not for me. I don't even know you. 
And I want to make sure that every single one of you today knows Jesus before we leave here. So if you would, one more time, bow your heads and close your eyes. Listen, if you're in this place today and that's you and you know you need to get right with God, you're getting right with him right now. You've maybe already prayed this prayer before we took communion here, but you want to just make a public declaration just between me, you, and God. Uh, what I want you to do is on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and look up at me so that I can see that you're making that decision here today to get right with God. One, two, three. If that's you, I see you right there. I see you there. I see you there, 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 there. Wow, goodness gracious. Okay, wow, amazing. I see you guys over here. Come on, this is amazing. Just for a moment, you can put your hands down. Hey, can we all just like give a crazy hand clap of praise? There's about 10 people today that are giving their lives to Jesus, that are getting right with God. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Hey, what I want to do is I just want to pray all together. Come on, let's just like celebrate together as a family. Pray this prayer all together in solidarity with these people that are making this decision to follow Jesus. Come on, somebody say, Jesus. Now say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. That you gave your life, your body and your blood as a sacrifice so that I could live. Help me to stand for you, to live for you at my work, my family, and every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate one more time. 10 people, come on, that's amazing. God is good. You love to see it? Come on, hey, if you uh, need any kind of support in your new walk with Jesus or you're rekindling your walk with Jesus here today, man, we want to support you. We want to help you. Please mark on that Connect card that you've given your life to Jesus so we can get in touch with you after here today. Um, the last thing that I want to tell each and every one of you is Christmas is coming, y'all. It is this next Sunday. We have two services. What I want you to do is I want you to stand for Jesus this week and invite one person to Christmas at Radical. This is the easy, easy application for you today. Stand for Jesus by inviting one person to church with you. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, coworker. Invite that one person and we'll see you at Christmas next week, all right? God bless you. We'll see you.